You didn't, you didn't wind up here by accident. You got here on purpose. Amen. So give yourself a hand for getting here on purpose. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I want to welcome you to the new year. And those of you that already know, uh, welcome to this new decade at the crossroads. Amen. It's a brand new decade. We're starting off everything fresh and everything's new and service times are different. And we, we opened up another church and that church is, is, is uh, operating on its own today. It's an exciting decade for the crossroads. Amen. I'm, I am so thrilled with what God is doing. I'm the lead pastor here at the Crossroads. Amen. I have been here now for 18 years. This will be 19 years. I'm excited about what God is going to do in this coming year. And I believe that the best is yet to come. Amen. I really believe that. I know that God's doing incredible things. I want to welcome all of you that are here today and all of you that are watching us online. And uh, please just let me take just a moment and thank everyone that's watching us online. A lot of times people will check us out before they get here. And uh, so welcome. Thank you so much for checking us out. We really look forward to seeing you in person very soon. And uh, we're just... You know, it, it's amazing to me, we're just a few days into the new year, and already, already, I know you don't believe this, but already I've heard from some people that are depressed. Did you, can you believe that? I mean, it's, it's only the fifth, and they're already, they're depressed, they're frustrated with their lives. Have you ever felt like there's got to be more to life? Anybody ever felt that way? There's got to be more to life. All right, well... You're not, in, uh, you're not in the minority, you're actually in the majority because this is very common, especially in the day and age that we live in. We've got these huge expectations, right? We've got these, these big expectations only to be disappointed over and over and over, not just with others, but even we get disappointed with ourselves. And life doesn't usually go just the way that we planned it. This is what happened in our text today. I want us to read, uh, if you would, just take a moment with me. And we're going to read together in John chapter 2. And uh, this, this scripture is very uh, important because it, it kind of directs us to where we're going. If you read all of John chapter 2, you'll find out there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. And and the mother of Jesus was there, and Jesus was called to be there as well, and, and, and he was there and his disciples. And, and I want you to, let's pick up at verse number 6, and I'm going to read out of the English Standard Version so that it kind of gives you a little bit more than the King James as far as uh, clarity on what's going on here. And, and, and what happens is they run out of wine. This is a bad thing. Now, I'm not going to go into uh, the, the dangers of alcohol and uh, how the Scripture talks about wine as a mocker. I'm not going into all that today. Uh, that pretty much goes without being said. But let, let me just say this, uh, that in this situation, in this setting, uh, for them to run out of wine was like the ultimate embarrassment. It was bad because people had come to the wedding. They had come expecting a, a certain amount of hospitality, and all of a sudden, the hospitality just stopped. They didn't have any more. There was no uh, wine. There was no, uh, uh, there, there was no uh, hospitality to be had for them. And so th this is the situation they find themselves in, this, this crisis immediately into this wedding and this marriage. And uh, verse 6 says, that Jesus was called, and, and so uh, his mother tells the servant, whatever Jesus says to you, do it. And so uh, Jesus says this 
uh, when, when we start reading, you'll see there were six water, water pots or six stone jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. These are large water pots, right? Anybody ever tried to pick up a five-gallon bucket? Those are pretty heavy, right? These, uh, these, these water pots contained 20, they could hold 20 to 30 gallons, so these had to be huge. And Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. Now, I'm not sure how they were going to make this happen, but he just told them, fill them with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. Amen. Keeping the best for last. That's kind of the way that Jesus does things. Jesus always has the best in mind for you. He, he always has better in store for you. And I want to just challenge you over the next few weeks with this thought. The best is yet to come. Amen. We, we talk about our greater campaign and, and what we're believing God for. And sometimes we just need to be reminded the best days are still ahead of us. Amen. But we, we haven't yet seen everything that God wants to do. The best is yet to come. Amen. These water pots represent something Jesus was trying to tell us. When we look at each water pot, we see the image of the mortal man, right? You see uh, six water pots, and six is the number we, we kind of understand. That six is the number of man, seven is God's number, uh, day of rest, uh, completion. We, we, I'm not going to get into deep theological uh, uh, number study here, but uh, we understand that there's six. They're, they're called vessels, right? And we are called vessels, and they contain water similar to our body. We can, our, our body is m m uh, mostly made up of water, and, and you can go on and on, but the point is that Jesus took these oil ordinary water pots, these ordinary water vessels, and he transformed them into something that was miraculous. Jesus' first miracle was not so much to show that he could uh, turn the water into wine, but uh, this first miracle was to show that Jesus could transform ordinary vessels into those fit for the master's use. And every time I perform a marriage ceremony, in the, in the preparation for the event, I tell the bride and I tell the groom, expect the unexpected. Amen. Anybody ever had something weird happen at a wedding? You just like, you're like, what in the world? What was that? You know, I wonder if that was planned. Uh, you, you're, you're going to have something at almost every wedding that doesn't go according to plan. And I've been a part of so many weddings, uh, big days in my life, and one thing is certain, they rarely ever go perfectly as planned. Even at my own wedding, and we, we had planned out to a T, we had good people that were doing every part of the wedding, uh, just incredible stuff. My wife and I were singing a song to each other, my, my grandmother stands up and she starts worshiping. It was not a worship song, but she starts worshiping, it was awesome. And then at the end, we're greeting people. People are coming through the greeting line, and we're just, you know, receiving everyone, welcoming them. And, the, and our organist starts playing, raindrops keep falling on my head. I, I don't know what possessed him to play. That was not supposed to be, it's supposed to be a happy occasion, not raindrops keep falling on my head. But you, you're going to have 
these situations. You're going to have things not go perfectly as planned. And that was the case here at the wedding in Cana of Galilee. And, and we read this in John chapter 2 that they ran out of wine. And just like that, what was supposed to be a great start turned into a frantic and chaotic crisis. Life doesn't usually go as planned and it can get to be very empty even when we try to fill it to the brim. Can anybody say amen? Life can feel very empty. We can find ourselves wondering, is this what life is all about? Is there nothing more to life than this? Our lives are full, but they seem meaningless. The, the, the gauge, the fuel gauge says full, but most of us run on empty. Reverend Mark Morrison Reed, he, in, his, in a sermon in, back in 1991, he said this. He said, we need to not fear death, but life. Empty lives, loveless lives, lives that do not build upon the gifts that each of us have been given, lives that are like living deaths, lives which we never take the time to savor and appreciate. Today, just remind me that I am dying so that I can live, savor, and love with all my heart. I don't want to live a lifeless life. I don't want to live a living death. Come on, somebody. If your life seems ordinary, if, or if it seems very disappointing right now, I've got good news for you. The best is yet to come. If you haven't yet seen everything that you feel like God has in store, and you read and you believe that God is getting ready to do in your life and your family, can I help you today? If your current life doesn't match up to what you believe that is going to happen, that God has promised you and where you could be, and I want you to quit believing in the lies of the enemy of your soul today. I want you to cast out, amen, doubt, fear, and rejection. And I want you to begin to hope for something better. I want to inspire in you that there is life beyond just what you're living right now. You've got to know Jesus has the best in mind for you. He's looking for you, amen, to give you a perfect end you got to believe that Jesus is able. you got to believe that the God of all hope still has power. And you've got to believe that the best things are on their way. Look at your neighbor. Tell them, say, the best is on its way. Amen. The best is on its way. When Jesus arrives on the scene, things change for the better. Come on, somebody. Things change for the better. When Jesus gets on the scene, despair has to exit. Some of you, you've been, you've been feeling like there's no hope. It's not going to ever get better for you. And I say that that's a lie from the enemy of your soul. It's trying to get you to be depressed and to despair and, and think that all is lost. And it's never going to be any better for me. And I'll always be this way. But what did Jesus do? When he gets on the scene, he shifts the attention from the empty vessels and he points to the six stone water pots. What he was saying is forget the old way of looking at things. Amen. The things that used to maybe satisfy, the things that it used to work out well for you, that's not how I'm going to do it anymore. I want you to look at something new. I'm about to do something new in your life. I'm going to do something exciting for you. And the best is yet to come. There's a change coming your way. And it's a change for the better. Amen. God's got something greater for you than what you're living right now. The best is yet to come. Amen. Amen. I'm not trying to impress you today. I mean to impact you today. I mean to instill hope in your heart today. 
You've got to leave this place knowing, man, this is going to be the best year that I've ever had. This is going, come on somebody, this is going to be the best time of my life. I know I had a hard 2019, but 2020, amen, is going to be the best year of my life. The best is yet to come. Amen. Amen. You've had disappointments in the past, but a future appointment is coming. I can't tell you when it's going to be. I can't tell you, but I do know it's coming. I know it's on the way. Amen. I know it's on your calendar, and God's already got it planned. He knows what the date is. He knows what the time is. He's going to show up, and the best is yet to come in your life. Amen. Man, sometimes it's hard for me to believe. It's hard for me to accept that in spite of my failure, in spite of my mishaps, in spite of my insecurities, that the best is yet to come. Amen. I, I get frustrated with the who that I am not right now and the who I want to be. And I, I get a little irritated with myself and I get a little irritated because things haven't plan- worked out as planned. I got to tell you something, God gave me a word this week. He said, you guys need to quit rummaging through the vessels of yesterday. Quit, quit looking around in the empty vessels looking for the wine that's not there. Because I'm getting ready to do new wine in the new wineskins. Amen. I'm, I know this is a change. I know it's a shift having two services and, and having another campus and, and, and having people that you're used to going to church with not with you at the same time. And some people are all out of sorts. And what's going on? How this going to work? God said, I'm going to do a new thing. Amen. I'm going to do a new thing in your life. And you're going to see the greatness of my power in your life. Amen. My change is coming. Open up the window of your soul today and say, yes, Lord, whatever you want, be it unto me. Amen. I receive it today. I want to go from ordinary to extraordinary this year. Amen. Because of Jesus, some of your lives that have been so ordinary and so plain and so frustrating and depressing, you're about to see God do something amazing. Amen. Amen. When you commit your way unto the Lord, you trust also in him. He shall bring it to pass. If you will seek him first and his kingdom first, all these things will be added. Come on, somebody. I could go on and on today. The promises of God are yes and amen. They're going to happen in your life. You just got to make up your mind. The best is yet to come. I'm not going to sit here and feel sorry for myself. I'm not going to look back at 2018 and 19 and 17 and 16 and be frustrated by all the things that didn't go the way that I hoped they would go but I'm going to look at 2020 and I'm going to say God what do you want me to do this year what do you have in store for me in this new year God what what level of consecration can I give you that I can draw closer to you and I can see my life become the extraordinary purpose that you have planned for me amen I want you to turn to somebody and tell them right now say get ready the miraculous is on its way Amen. You haven't seen it yet. The miraculous is on its way. I want you to hear me today. Somebody's got to, you, you just got to hear me today. Amen. The miraculous is on its way. Amen. The miraculous is on its way. Come on, get it in your spirit. It's on its way. I see a hero in the making, amen. I see a good wife and a good husband in the making. I, I see a soul winner who will be mightily used by God. I see, amen, God calling forth an extraordinary person, amen, from those ordinary people that you feel like you are right now, and he's going to turn things around. He's going to make things, amen. You're going to turn the world upside down because of what God's going to do in your life. 
Are you ready for the change? Are you ready for the change? Are you ready for the best? Because the best is yet to come. Amen. The best is yet to come. If I will commit my way to him, the best is yet to come. Look at your neighbor. Tell him, tell him like you really mean it. The best is yet to come. It hasn't happened yet. I haven't received it yet. It's not on me yet, but it's coming. Amen. I believe it. It's coming. I'm going to receive it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Our Bible says that after Jesus had the servants fill all the six stone water pots with water, he commanded them to give some to the governor of the feast. He said, draw it out. Draw it out. Take, take it out. Let, let, let them have a taste. Let everyone see it. And then it was emptied from vessel to, to vessel. You know what happened when, when this chain reaction took off? Something that was ordinary because they were obedient to Jesus, became extraordinary. In our lives, amen, Jesus is just waiting for obedience. And with obedience, ordinary will become... Well, I want the best. I want the best. Obedience will bring about the best in our lives. Obedience will bring about the miraculous in our life. Obedience to Jesus, amen, is going to turn ordinary into extraordinary for your life and for your family. Amen. Draw it out. Let everybody see it. That's what he said. Do you know what happened? The miraculous of Jesus was seen by everyone. It was it was. Astounding! It was amazing. And, and I, I want you to hear me today. Your life is getting better. No, no, you don't understand what I'm going through and what I'm facing, what's coming up. I said your life is getting better. You're here today or you're watching online and, and you are being instilled with hope that if I will be obedient to what Jesus has for my life, the best is yet to come. So already, before you even move on to the next phase of your day, your life is getting better. Because guess what? It's better to have hope than not have hope. It's better to believe and trust in, in a God that will never let you down than to say, oh, I think I can make it through this life by myself. No, the best is yet to come. And guess what? The more you believe it and the more you obey his command and his teaching and his book in your life and you say, God, whatever your will is for my life, I'm going to be obedient to it. Whatever you say, that's what I want to do. Then the best is yet to come. The ordinary becomes extraordinary and everybody around you begins to see it. Your future. Your future is getting brighter. The best is yet to come, and everybody's going to see it. Your neighbors are going to see it. Your family is, is going to see it. And your friends are going to see it, and, and your enemies. Oh, I don't, I don't have any men. Your enemies are going to see it. I'm glad y'all don't. I have a few. I mean, not because I don't like them, because they don't like me. Your enemies are going to see it. Amen. There was, uh, you've heard me tell this story before. It's one of my favorite. But there was a, a man from the, uh, the mountains deep in Tennessee, and he found himself one day in, in this large city. And it was the very first time ever seeing an elevator. And he is, is sitting outside the elevator, and he's watching as this feeble elderly uh, lady hobbles on, and the doors close. And, 
And a few minutes later, the doors open and, and this attractive younger woman marches confidently past him. And, and so the, the man from Tennessee, this, this, this dad, he hollers out to his youngest son, Billy, go get your mother. He said, the best is yet to come. I, I don't know what went up the elevator, but I saw what came down the elevator. Amen. I know some of you, you say, well, I don't understand. It's the best. That's what he has planned for you, the best. He's got the best. Now, now you don't, it may not make sense to you, and I know that you've been living in an ordinary life, and, and it's hard to believe that you're on your way to extraordinary, but, but with Jesus, the best is yet to come. With everybody else and with everything else, usually everything is at its best at the beginning. Come on, stay with me. Then it loses its luster. Am I, am I telling the truth? How many of you have kids or you were around kids at Christmas, right? They get their gift. And, Woo, it's so wonderful. It's so awesome. And by the first of the year, they're playing with the boxes. They'd rather take out the styrofoam and make spaceships. I mean, you spent hundreds of dollars on whatever that technology was, but they could care less about that now. Why? Because everything at the beginning with man, it is always at its best, and everything seems so exciting, but then after a while it loses its luster, and I've known people that have gotten into relationships, and, and when they get in, everything is so nice, and it's so wonderful, so lovely, and then all of a sudden it's my ball and chain. And Jesus says, hey, uh, that may be how it is with man, but it's not that way with me. It's the very opposite. When Jesus is in it, it just gets better and better. And the best is yet to come because when it's Jesus, come on somebody, then it gets better every day. And you may have think, you, you may think, well, I've gotten to the best there is. And he says, wait, wait, wait. You, that was just the water. I've got the wine. <laughs> that, that was, just, that was the, the poor wine. Now I've got the new wine. I've got the good stuff for you. Amen. I'm going to blow your mind with what I've got planned. And God is in the habit of using common things for His glory. He, he's in the habit. Look at what He did all through the Scripture. You, can, you can't even imagine what God wants to do with your life. So I, I thought I'd give you a little bit of scriptural reference. Uh, he used, all the way through Scripture, he used ordinary objects to a, accomplish His task in the world. And they went from ordinary to extraordinary. They went from uh, plain to miraculous because Jesus uh, used them for His glory. So here's just a few objects. How about Moses in Exodus uh, four, two to four. He just had a shepherd's staff, and uh, he was he used it to work miracles before Pharaoh. Uh, the widow and Elijah in First Kings seventeen. It was just a little bit of meal and a little bit of oil, and it sustained and provided for uh, for this widow woman and her family throughout the famine and the drought. And then there's Gideon with the the horns and the jars and the torches, and and they were used to defeat the Midianites. I mean, no weapons, just horns, jars, and torches. I don't. I I know that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to you. But then there's Samson with the jawbone. I mean, he just takes the jawbone of a dead donkey and he uses it as a weapon to kill a thousand uh, of the enemy Philistines. Then David takes these smooth, smooth stones and he takes a small stone and, and he just puts it in a sling and he uses that small stone to kill Goliath. And then there's the widow and Elisha in 2 Kings chapter 4. Uh, kind of similar to Elijah in 1 Kings, but uh, we, we have another olive oil incident where God uses this, this widow woman and, and she's got all these vessels and, and, and the vessels are, get 
filled with this olive oil. And it's just amazing what God is able to do uh, with just ordinary stuff. And so Elisha uh, is, it tells Naaman to go down to the muddy river of Jordan. And, and in this muddy river, why can't I go to Farpar? Why can't I go to one of these other nice rivers? Why can't I go to the spa or uh, just dip in the hot tub? And, and, and he said, no, I want you to go to the common, the muddy river. Just go, to, go, go on down to the Jordan River and dip there. And so when he dipped and was obedient, uh, let me see, just see if you got that. When he was obedient and he went down on the seventh time and he comes up, then ordinary becomes extraordinary. And it, it's, a, it's a, a miracle that God can just take something so plain. And even Jesus himself takes five loaves and, and two uh, fish. And, and he takes those in Mark chapter 6 and he feeds a crowd of over 5,000 people with just five loaves of bread and two fish. Five loaves of bread and two fish don't even feed five people at my house. And Jesus takes it and it can feed 5,000 people. God is looking for obedient, submitted people willing to entrust Him with everything they have and everything they are because His will is to surrender their ordinary lives to Him. He said, I want you just, if you'll surrender it to me, if you'll lose your life, you'll find it, if you... We're too busy holding on, having control, and making sure we've got a grasp on everything. And God is not looking at how ordinary everything is for you right now. He's looking at what He can do through you. He loves you right where you are, but He loves you too much to leave you where you are. Come on, somebody. He's looking through to what can He do in your life. What can He make of your life? You are an instrument. You are a vessel of His supernatural power and ability. And I know that you may not believe that yet, but He is looking for surrendered ordinary that He can make extraordinary. It won't happen until I surrender. It won't happen until I'm obedient. It won't happen, but it will because the best is yet to come. And I realize today that some of us are going to go from hopeless to hopeful. And some of us are going to go from depressed to faith-filled. Amen. And we're going to realize the best is yet to come in my family. And the best is yet to come in my job. And the best is yet to come for my children. And the best is yet to come in my finances. The best is yet to come. I believe it because I'm going to submit to God. And I'm going to be obedient to him and he's going to turn ordinary into extraordinary man as i close today in exodus chapter 4 and verse 2 i i want to draw your attention to this and we kind of already hit on it but i'm not going to be long i just want to i want to point this out god asks moses the same question that i believe he asks us today he says what is that in your hand I want to go to extraordinary. Okay, Moses, what is that in your hand? I spent 40 years being raised up in Egypt, and now I'm here on the backside of the desert because I killed a guy, and I didn't want to get found out, so I'm here, and I'm just, I don't know. I've been here for 40 years. I don't know what's going to go on. I don't know what's going to happen. Well, well Moses, I don't care about all the past. What, what is that in your hand? I've been trained in, in the schools of Egypt. I know all the stuff. I, I, I didn't ask any of that. What's in your hand? What do you have right now? All Moses had in his hand at that point was a simple wooden shepherd's rod, certainly nothing extraordinary. And when you look at what you have in your hand, it might not seem very significant. It may seem uh, like just, you know, this piece of wood here. Uh, this is nothing big. I'm just using it to care for my sheep. And, and, and how could God use something that is so 
ordinary. Look, look at my life, God. Look at, I'm just, man, I can't even, I can't even talk to people, God. I, I get nervous and you know, I got all these issues. God, I, I, get, I get hung up about this, and I get hung up about that, and my life is just ordinary. God, I, I can't sing like those, those ladies up there can sing, and God, I, I can't, uh, uh, you know, I don't look as good as other people I think look, and I, I'm just so ordinary, God. I don't even think that I'm, I'm anything that you could use. Look at what you have in your hand. Oh. Something amazing happened when Moses took not what he didn't have, but he took what he did have in his hand, and he obeyed the Lord's instruction, and he laid down the staff. You know, Moses laying down the staff was a, it was a sign of surrender. It was a sign of relinquishment of control. Moses, what do you have in your hand? This is my staff. This is what I do now. This is who I am. Well, I'm, come on, I'm right in some of y'all's business right now. This is who I am. This is what I do. This is me. And he says, okay, throw it down. And some of us, we're like, oh, no, you don't understand who I am. This is this me, and I got this personality, and I got all this, and, I can't, and it's just so ordinary. And, I, and God says, uh, just put it down. I, I got better things for I, I want to turn this ordinary into extraordinary. I, I want to make it uh, amazing and miraculous. And so in, in Exodus 4.20, it says that this unimpressive wooden pole was transformed. Now, I, I didn't say this, but you read this in the Scripture. This is what it says. When he took what was ordinary and he throws it down in 4.20 Exodus, it says it turns into the rod of God. Woo! I wish you could understand what he's telling some of you today. He said, look, if you'll be willing to throw it down, what seems so ordinary is going to become, or oh, come on, somebody. It's going to become extraordinary. It's going to become miraculous. It's going to be something that I can use whenever you're willing to surrender it. Endued with supernatural power. Amen. Moses' rod was then able to part the sea. It was able to bring water from a rock and gain supernatural victory over the enemies. Why? Because Moses was willing to throw it down. i got to ask you as you stand with me today, what is in your hand? What is that in your hand? What is that that you have right now? What a powerful message. What, a, what, a, what an astounding statement that he would make. Moses, what do you have in your hand? He didn't say, what, do you have, what does so-and-so over here have that I can use? He said, what do you have? God, God's not, he's not looking around and saying, okay, collectively as a church, what do you got? No, he, he is very specific and he says, what is in your hand? Like Moses, I believe each and every one of us are being called to do amazing things with God. Supernatural things. Things much bigger than we could ever accomplish without divine power and assistance. We are called to the extraordinary. The best is yet to come. And too many times I think we have this problem. We think that the problem is because we lack something important. We're, we're not that special. I'm not that, I'm not that great. And, and I don't have singing gifts. And I don't have preaching gifts. And I don't have uh, witnessing gifts. And I can't do this. And I can't. We focus so much on what we don't have. And God says, I just want to know what do you have. 
What do you have that you can lay down? He's looking for somebody who says, God, I don't have a lot, but I'll give you what I've got. God, I won't hold anything back from you. And, and, and some of you, 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 you want to be more involved with the church. You want to be more involved in the kingdom and, and reaching people with the, with the gospel. And you say, if I only had this or I only had that, if, if I could just do this better. Remember, that's not what God asked. And he's asking you today, what's that in your hand? What is it in your ability to give God of your life? Your ambitions, your goals, your time, your energy, your children, your career, your resources. He's not asking for something you don't have. He's asking for what you do have. But it's so ordinary. I know that's the beauty of it. That's what makes it so special because if it was already extraordinary, he wouldn't get the glory. But because it's so plain, it's so ordinary, and for some of us, it's even so inferior. He says, I'm going to take it and I'm going to use it and I'm going to get the glory. If you're tired of living in the ordinary, I want you to know the best is yet to come. He wants to move you into extraordinary. Know this, know this, you will not just evolve into a better you. I, I am not a believer in the theory of evolution. That may surprise some of you, but I do believe in the fact of transformation. What Jesus touches, He always transforms. When Jesus does it, He does it best. He's always got the best, and the best is always last, and the best is yet to come. And you're moving today from ordinary to extraordinary. Jesus turned the water into wine. Why, why wine, right? Because that's what they needed. But wine is also the emblem of his blood. He could have turned something into money and they could have gone out and bought more wine. But no, he said, I'm going to do what, what you're not expecting. I'm going to take the ordinary and I'm going to transform it with the blood of Jesus Christ. Today, this is what you should start doing. You should start surrendering. You, you should look at what do I have in my hand? What is it that I've been, I got this and I've been holding, holding it and I know, I know God's asking me to surrender this, but I've, I've, I've got a good grip on it and it makes me who I am. He said, throw it down. And some of you are not going to like me when this is over with, but, but I'm trying to challenge you because this is the challenge from God today. What is it in your hand? What do you have the ability? That's what you start with. Just lay it down. But you don't understand, I've got to have control. Well, as long as you have control, he's not in control. As long as you're Lord over your life, he can't be Lord over your life. Amen? So today, you surrender. First, very first thing you got to do is surrender. And after you have surrendered, you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. You need to have his blood applied to your life. And His blood, along with His Spirit, will transform you into that extraordinary person, that vessel that He has planned for you. And guess what? He promises He will fill you with His Spirit and His power. And when you receive His Spirit, you and everyone around will see that the ordinary has become extraordinary. Because with Jesus, the best is yet to come. With every head bowed and every eye closed. In this place, God, we are calling on those who are tired of the ordinary who realize I've got something in my hand and it's time to lay it down. 
It's time, God, for me to lay down my ambitions and dreams and goals and my thoughts of what I need to be. And God, I need to surrender it to you and be obedient to you. And God, as I am, you will make a way from the ordinary of my life to become extraordinary. You will turn what is so simple and so inferior in my opinion, God, into the miraculous if I will trust you with it. And God, I pray that you give courage to those that need to step out today to step right out right now, God, and come to this altar and surrender and lay down whatever's in their hand in Jesus' name. Amen. This altar's open. I challenge you, step out today. Amen. Whatever's in your hand. It, maybe, it's, maybe it's something that you've been holding back for so long. Why don't you surrender it to God today? Let Him be in control of your life. It will make all the difference in the world.